Scripture reading this morning comes from Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 through 9. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant, the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I've commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went on to their tents. Now to the one half tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan. But to the other half tribe, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. And when Jordan, I mean, when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land of which they had possessed themselves by command of the Lord through Moses. May God bless the reading of His Word. You know, it is Mother's Day, as we've noted, and I'm sure we've all heard our moms while we were, you know, maybe leaving the house at some point, our moms would tell us to be careful. Can y'all relate to that? Uh, you know, whether you were very little, you were going outside to play in the front yard, or maybe it was when you were a teenager, you were going to drive to your friend's house, or maybe it was when you were an adult, just going over for a visit, but you were about to head home, and your, and your mom would tell you, you know, be careful. You know, because mom saw home as a safe place, and would often worry if we ever left home and were out of her sight. Now, some of you, some of you moms, even today, you know, if even your grown children, when they're out of your sight, you worry. I mean, that's just kind of, I think, a common thread among motherhood. But what's interesting about our passage, as I was reading, maybe you picked up on this, but what's interesting about our passage this morning is that your know, mothers tend to tell you to be careful when you leave home, but Joshua is telling the two and a half tribes to be very careful when they return home. So your mom, you know, your mom was worried about your physical safety when you left the house. He, she would say, be careful because she wanted you to return home safely. Well, Joshua is saying, actually, I want you to be careful when you go home. And he's concerned about your spiritual safety. And he wants the spiritual health of these tribes. So look at verses 4 and 5 again and see if we can pick up on this from Joshua, what he says. He says, And now the Lord your God has given you rest to your has given rest to your brothers, 
as He promised them. Therefore turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you to be I mean, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cling to Him and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua tells the two and a half tribes to be very careful when they return home to the east side of the Jordan. You may remember that the land of Canaan uh, was on the west side of the Jordan. But Moses had given these two and a half tribes some land on the east side of the Jordan. And so the question is, well, why are they to be so careful going back home on the uh, other side of the Jordan? Well, you know, whether your home is on the east side of the Jordan or whether your home is here in Augusta, Georgia, there are some things when you return home that you leave and there are some things that you enter into when you go home. One of the things that you leave uh, and when you, when, one of the things that you leave as you depart even from this place and you return home, anytime you return home, one of the things that you leave is the broader community. And this was true of these two and a half tribes. You know, they had fulfilled their duty to the other tribes of Israel. They had taken the land of Canaan. And now they were released from their duty of helping them conquer this land. And they were given permission by Joshua to return home. Now, in order to return home to the land that Moses had given them on the east side of the Jordan, they had to pull away from the other tribes and leave them behind. They also had to leave behind Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle was set up. So this was the center of corporate worship for Israel. They had to leave that behind as well in order to return home. So they would have to leave the broader community of the people of God as they returned home. Now, I think we could all agree that uh, when we gather with other Christians, whether it be for a worship service or Bible study or for prayer or for a mission project, it's just easier to keep our focus on the Lord, right? I mean, even if you get distracted here this morning, there's going to be elements in the worship service that are keep trying to pull your attention back to the Lord, right? So it's easier to have our attention focused on the Lord, to be called back to the Lord when we're in community with other believers. That's true for us. That was true for them as well. Christian community, being with the people of God, is not a luxury. It's a necessity. It's what we need in order to remain focused on the Lord. That's why the writer of Hebrews tells us, let us, not, or let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So even though we must all return home, right, after the service, at some point, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> You just can't stay here forever. So you're going to have to go home. I'm going to have to go home. We all will need to return home. But at the same time, we need to make gathering with the church, the body of believers, a priority in our lives. And what we see in the book of Hebrews, that I just read this passage in Hebrews, uh, that there's a stirring that takes place when you gather with the church that helps you cling to God. And when, I'm think, when I think about stirring... I think about chocolate milk. Is anybody with me? Maybe? Possibly? I don't know. 
Well, the reason I think about that is because every morning I make chocolate milk for my children. And so I can handle that because here's all you got to do is just take some milk. You pour it into a glass. Okay, so far, so good. You take the Hershey's chocolate syrup. You pour it in there as well. But one thing I've noticed is that you have the milk, you pour in the syrup. The syrup tends to kind of gather at the bottom, right? And so there's a final step that needs to happen. Even though you have all that is required for chocolate milk present in that glass, there's something that is required to maximize the chocolate flavor in that drink, right? You have to stir it. You have to stir it up. Well, that's how the Christian life is as well. I mean, God has given us new life in Christ. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. But He's also given us one another to stir one another up. And if we want to maximize this new life that Christ has given us, if we want to experience this new life to the full that Christ has given us, we have to be with other people that share that faith. Because that's how we are stirred up to good works and to love. The writer of Hebrews also tells us that there's encouragement that we receive from community, from being in community with other followers of Jesus. And so, yes, we must return home. We're all going to have to return home even today. But we need to make gathering with the church, the people of God, a priority if we're going to stay focused on the Lord and walk in His ways. Now, when we return home, that's what we leave behind. We leave behind the community of the believers, the church. So when you go home today, this is what you leave behind But there's also something you enter into. And we all may enter into something different when we go home. Joshua is encouraging the people that when they return home, when they go across that Jordan River to the east side, they have to be intentional to keep their focus on the Lord. He says, I want you to be very careful to love God, walk in His ways, cling to God, and serve Him. And I believe that Joshua said this because sometimes when we go home, it's difficult to follow the Lord. It's difficult to stay focused on the Lord. As many of you you know, I I spent 12 years working full-time with a college ministry called Crew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And for these college students, one of the biggest challenges for them was returning home after the the college year was over during the summer because while these students were in college the ones that were involved with crew one of the one of the blessings they received was they were involved with a christian community i mean they were rooming and this was true of me we were rooming with you know our christian friends so we were in tight community with them we were attending bible studies so these students would attend bible studies prayer meetings they'd go on retreats mission trips during the school year I mean, they were surrounded by students that would lift them up, encourage them, and challenge them in their relationship with God. And for some of these students, this was the first time they had ever experienced Christian community. And you can imagine just how powerful that was in their lives. But then the school year would come to an end, just like it did this past week. And it would be time to return home for the summer. And some of these students would return to a home that was not characterized by following Jesus. They would return home to friends who were not following Jesus. And so returning home for them was a very difficult thing. It was not easy to stay focused on the Lord 
and walk in his ways because of the environment they were walking into. And I think that's why Joshua tells the people, you know, when you return home, you need to be careful. You need to be intentional to love God. You know, you're going to be away from these other tribes. You're going to be away from Shiloh where the tabernacle is. So you need to be careful. You need to be intentional to love God and walk in his ways. He knows that, you know, when you leave the broader community, it can be a challenge to cling to the Lord. And even as you return home this morning, after you uh, leave this place, you you may walk into an environment that may or may not support your faith. You know, for for some of you, you have very little control of your home environment, uh, whereas others of you have great control over that environment. But whether your control is little or great, I think there are some things we can implement that will help us be intentional in loving God and walking in His ways when we do return home. So the question is, how how can we make our homes a place where God is the focus? You know, how, how can you set up your home or your room or whatever environment you're in control of, so, so to speak, to uh, minimize temptation and encourage worship? How do, we, how do we make our homes a spiritual greenhouse rather than a spiritual desert? You know, how can we try to ensure that when people go back to our homes, our relatives, our friends, when they come to our homes, that it's actually promoting spiritual growth Instead of stunting it. So how do we make our homes spiritual greenhouses? I want to give you four things you can do to implement that I think will help you make your home into a spiritual greenhouse. So that when you do return home, it will help your focus on the Lord. It will help those who are in your home focus on the Lord and walk in His ways. The first thing you can do is model what it looks like to love God and walk in His ways. Well, this is probably the most important thing. And one thing I've noticed, maybe you've noticed this as well, is that when someone enters a relationship, you begin to see signs of communication. Right? I know with my kids, if they have a friend or whatnot, they're always communicating through you know, text messages, phone calls, Snapchat, different ways of communicating. But there's communication going on. I mean, there's signs of the relationship, right? And so what I'm saying is if you have a relationship with God in your home, there should be signs of that relationship. I mean, do do, do the people that live in your home, whether it be your children or other relatives, I mean, do they ever see you read your Bible? Do they ever see you pray? Do they see these signs of the relationship? Now, I'm not saying you should put on a show like, hey, everybody, come down here. I'm about to read my Bible. You know, I'm not saying put on a show, but I'm saying there should be signs of a relationship, right? I mean, if you have a relationship with God through Christ, there should be some signs of that. I mean, your Bible should not be gathering dust. There should be some time that you're spending in the Word and prayer. I mean, they, they should see that happen. And so, we model what it looks like to love God by spending time with God and also walking in His ways. And maybe even this, you know, does, does your family ever see you wrestle with decisions because you want to do what God wants you to do? I mean, these are all signs of that relationship and, and what it looks like to model what it means to love God and walk in His ways. So the first thing is to model that. Second thing is to have spiritual conversations. You know, we talk about many things in our home, right? Probably, if there's, you know, even if you're by yourself, you probably talk to yourself. So, I mean, so there's conversations going on, you know, or if people come to your home. 
there's conversations going on. We talk about the weather. We talk about sports. We talk about politics. Whatever it may be, we talk about. There are many things. Uh, and I'm not saying that all that we need to talk about in our home is God. However, I am suggesting that we should create an environment where talking about God is encouraged and welcomed. Is, is our conversations about God encouraged? Are they welcomed? And here's the thing. It's going to require initiative on your part. Because this is probably not just going to happen. But you're going to have to take some initiative. You know, if you still have children at home or grandchildren, um, or even other family members or friends that may live with you, you know, one of the things you can do is ask them how you can pray for them. I mean, you're initiating spiritual conversation. You know, how can I pray for you? After coming to a worship service or a Bible study, you could ask them, hey, what is one thing you learned tonight? Was there anything that came up that you have questions about? And I know for our family, one of the, uh, one of the ways spiritual conversation tends to happen the most is by questions that my kids have about God. You know, how can this be true of God? Or how does He work in the world this way? I mean, what does that mean? Or what this, this passage, we, we talked about this, what does that mean? Well, there needs to be just an openness. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, maybe, there, maybe I have an answer, maybe not. But is that type of conversation happening in your home? Is it welcomed? Is it encouraged? Does God ever make it into the dinner table conversation? I'm not saying He always has to be the dinner table conversation, but does He ever make it? I mean, is, he, is He ever the subject of conversation in your home? You know, if we want our homes to be a place that promotes spiritual growth, then we need to have spiritual conversations. The third thing we can do is to guard our home. You know, one of the things that makes greenhouses so effective in growing plants is because of what they let in and what they keep out. You know, the greenhouse lets in the light, lets in the warmth, but it keeps out the damaging winds like we had last night and the hard rain and bugs and animals that may eat and damage the plants. That's why greenhouses are so effective and they help plants to grow. You know, now... Is, is, is probably, uh, definitely uh, more than ever, it's so much easier now than ever before uh, for, for content information to make its way into our homes. I mean, you think about all the, the conduits of information that, that come into our homes. I mean, you have uh, television, radio, which has been around a while, but also you have internet, you have smartphones, tablets. I mean, you have all these things coming in through the, the wires into your home. And so I think as parents, as grandparents, as people that have homes that people are living in or visiting, we need to guard our home. We need to think about what we're letting in and what we should be keeping out. You know, think about you know, what movies are you watching, what music are you listening to, what stations are you subscribing to and giving your kids access to. Uh, what content do they have access to on their smartphones and their computers and tablets, uh, on their Xboxes and Playstations? You know, here's the thing. I know you can't filter out everything. I'm aware of that. I know that. I'm a parent. I know, I know that. But that doesn't mean you should just throw in the towel and say, well, you know, since I can't filter out everything, I should filter out nothing. I don't think that's the right attitude to have. I think you need to be uh, proactive, you need to be intentional about what you're letting into your home. 
and filter out what you can so that when people come into your home, especially your own family, that the content they're interacting with is promoting spiritual growth rather than stunting their growth. And there's lots of ways to do that. And you're going to have to figure out what that's going to look like in your own home. But it's something that we need to be thinking about. If we're going to return home and be intentional on loving the Lord, walking in His ways, we have to guard our home. The fourth thing you can do to make um, to help your, your home to become a spiritual greenhouse is to make gathering with the church a normal rhythm in the life of your family. You know, I've heard some parents say this, that, you know, I don't want to push Christianity on my children. I want them to be able to make that decision on their own, so I'm not going to bring them to church. I don't, I don't agree with that strategy. I don't think that's a good strategy at all. Uh, because think about this. I mean, we send our kids to school at a young age to learn about the world, math, science, social studies, English. We don't ask our children, well, do you want to go to school? No, because we know you need to go to school because you need to learn about the world. You need to learn the truths about the world and all these different disciplines. So why should it be any different here? I mean, we should bring our children to church because this is one of the primary ways they learn about God. Now, I'm not saying you force faith on your family all throughout their lives, but there is a season of life where your children are under your nurture and care that you should be intentional about teaching them the things of God. That's what we read in Deuteronomy. This is your role as parents and as grandparents and as a church. We should, that's why we had the baby dedication where we say, you know, little Beatrix, as long as she's in our midst, we're going to pray for her, we're going to encourage her, we're going to teach her. She's going to be going through Sunday school classes. We're going to make it a point that she knows who the Lord is. Now, we can't make that faith choice for her. She's going to have to make that herself. Uh, but, like Zach and Cassidy, what they can do, though, is they can bring her. And they can expose her to the things of God. And give her that opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. And that's what you should be doing to your children. Now, I'm aware at some point, and this is something as a parent you have to think about, at some age... Uh, it may no longer become beneficial to force your child to do something. But especially when they're young, I think you should be bringing them to church. There should be a rhythm that as a family, this is what we do because it's very important. We want to know about the Lord. If you want your house to be a spiritual greenhouse, this needs to be a normal rhythm. So these are four things that you can do uh, to help returning to your home be a blessing. Uh, to your spiritual growth, to everyone who is in your home. And what I want you to do this morning, I just want you to maybe even just pick one. Pick one of these action points and begin to implement it in your home this week. You know, what, it, what will it look like uh, to model uh, loving God and walking in His ways this week in your home? What would that look like? How can you begin to have spiritual conversations in your home? How can you do a better job of guarding your home? what you let in and what you keep out. Is gathering with the church a normal rhythm? And if not, how can you begin to make it a normal rhythm? See, Joshua, as we read this passage, Joshua knew that when the two and a half tribes, and we're going to learn more about this next week when we get into the next chapter, when they left the community, the other tribes, and they left Shiloh where the tabernacle was, and they went to the east side of the Jordan, he knew that they would be away from this broader community and the center of worship. 
And that's why when they were about to return home, he told them, you need to be very careful. You need to be very careful to cling to God and serve Him. And that's wise counsel. That was wise, wise counsel then, and it's wise counsel now. So when you return home today, you're leaving this group of Christians. You're leaving the church behind, and you might even be going back to a home that's difficult. It's a difficult environment to stay focused on the Lord. Or you may be going back to a home, uh, and you realize, you know what? I need to make some changes so that my home is more of a spiritual greenhouse that makes it easier for us to focus on the Lord and walk in His ways. Wherever you find yourself this morning, let us all take Joshua's advice and be very careful to love God and walk in His ways. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for the life You've given us and the new life You've given us in Christ. Lord, I pray that as we return home, I pray that our homes would be a place where You are known, uh, that You are worshipped, that you are, where You are discussed in conversation. Lord, help, help us to be intentional in our walks with You, in our relationship with You, wherever we may find ourselves, whether we're here with other believers worshiping You in Bible study and prayer, or whether we're back home. God, give us wisdom as we seek to move forward and make our homes spiritual greenhouses so that everyone who enters in may know something more about you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.